That's why I said with my accountant, regardless if he's around, if he can do it, if he can't do it, I know how to do every single thing that he knows how to do. I could damn near start my own accounting business if I wanted to. <laughs> and you better believe it's on my vision board. Put your hands together and give it up for... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. Let's go! At Todd Capital, we believe business and investing are team sports. You know how we do. You know how we do. And this podcast is for those who want to turn their capital into generational legacy. This episode is brought to you by 24-7 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y. 47watches.com. Use code Todd Capital at checkout for a special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches. That's at T W E N T Y 47watches. Hi, how are you? I am Andre C. Hatchett, 15 year mobile notary pioneer and veteran. We have created the Notary Business School which will show you how to start a successful, long-term, needed business as a mobile notary public. Well, with 15 years of experience and with different downturns in the economy, we have labeled this business as being recession-proof, meaning that you can run this business in any climate, any city, any state in America. On average, our students make between $60 and $250 per appointment, which usually takes under an hour. I'll say that again. On average, our students usually make between $60 and $250 per appointment as a mobile notary public. If you would like to enroll and save a few dollars, go to the website, millinotarypromo.com. That is millinotarypromo.com. Look forward to seeing you in class. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yep. And here are your hosts, Miss Flipping and Heels, Roshana Scott, and Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast, episode 153. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, with my co-host, Roshana Scott. How are you doing, Roshana? I'm good. How are you? You know, I'm blessed. I'm living the dream, so I cannot complain. Um, great things are happening. Um, thank you guys all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors. Um, we want people to learn that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have Miss Lelita Arnold. Um, I'm not sure what part of the country you're from, but um, she is a salon owner. Roshana says she is a boss businesswoman, um, so hopefully um, she'll just grace the show with some gems. Um, but welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm actually in Chicago with Roshana. You know, I didn't want to make that assumption, um, <laughs> but I saw that because I made some incorrect assumptions a lot. But I saw like Chicago Press, and I was like, okay, maybe she's from Chicago. Do you guys know know each other outside of this? Yes. Yeah. I'm. We're we're actually both each other's clients. <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. That's all supposed to work together. That's dope. So she yes. does your hair and you sell her homes. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we'll get we'll get more into that a little bit later. But um yes, thank you so much, Lalita, for coming on the show. Um, you know, I've admired you 
from day one. Um, I think I've known Lalita for like 10 years maybe, um, and she owned a salon way, way back in the day, but I wasn't a client then. Um, a mutual friend uh, was going to her, but we kind of reconnected about a year or so ago and went out to um, dinner um, just to talk about, you know, goals and investing and, and, and things like that. And I was just like, man, like you're so much more than a salon owner. Like you have so many gems that a lot of business owners just need in general. Um, so I'm looking forward to diving into all of that today. So again, thank you so much for being here. But we'd like to start um, off with just telling us a little bit about who you are, um, your background, you know, growing up, what that was like, because like I said, we don't get into all the bossiness, but like, was that even inspired by someone along the line? And you know, just what that what that was like growing up. So I am from Inglewood, um, from Inglewood, Illinois, Chicago. And I was raised around hustlers. Um, now being a boss, the word hustler is just not a good word because we do so much more as you know we do so much more than just hustle like we actually businessmen business women so i was going to race in inglewood and um I, I was raised in a family building, so my mom, we were on one floor, my grandmother was on the other floor, and my two aunties was on the other floor. We didn't know back in the 80s that it was, you know, instead of being a hustler, you were an entrepreneur. So, like, we had a pool table in our home instead of furniture. You know how you go to some people's houses and they got the furniture with the plastic on it? Instead, we have pool tables. So you had to pay $5 to get into our apartment and $5 per game. And I knew how to, I knew how to play pool because I live with the pool table. But for some reason, everybody just thought they can beat me. So that's when all my hustling like really went to another level. My grandmother lived downstairs. She cooked food. So if they were hungry, they would go downstairs and buy food from her. My auntie across the hall, she sold beer. So they would go across the hall and buy beer from her. So I was, I was raised with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs, hustlers. And I don't think I realized it till like about maybe like three years ago I was like wait a minute I've been an entrepreneur for years and I just I don't know I just didn't realize it because like I said that word wasn't heavy then it was right. you were called a hustler um I started um styling here I want to say in maybe like six or seventh um it's about sixth grade I started doing braids first I was braiding the thugs here I want to call them thugs <laughs> but the hustlers here um in Inglewood I started braiding their hair and they were Pay me, and you like, sit, was you sitting on the front porch, breaking hair? So it started in the hallway first because my mom didn't want me doing hair in her house until she seen that income coming in. She's like, Okay, wait a minute, you can come in where it's cool at, you don't have to do that hair in the hot hallway because I started paying bills in seventh grade. And so I started doing their hair first, and I was like, wait a minute, if I could get money out of them for their hair, let me start doing their nails. So I started doing nails, and I started doing manicures and things like that. And I was like, wait a minute, I think I can make even more money. So I started doing hair. And the way I started doing hair was my friend downstairs, um, she had a French roll in her hair. And I was like, hmm, that's pretty cool. I said, can I take it down and put it back up? And she said, yes. So I took the French roll down. I did her hair that same day, but it didn't come out as good as it was. And I went to sleep and I dreamed about it. And the next day I woke up and asked her 
if I can redo her hair. I redid it and it was better than the lady did it the first time. And that's when I realized that I had a gift. And up until now, even being 41, I still dream about doing hair. So that's how I started doing hair. And I considered myself a professional um, in eighth grade when I did all 13 of the girls in the 93 class of 93 hair um, for the eighth grade um, graduation. And I've just been doing hair ever since. Love it. Love it. Love it. So and then and then all through high school, like, did you um, did you go to college or did you go right Mm -hmm. into work? So in high school, I was doing hair in high school. I went to CVS. So they had a um, cosmetology program in CVS. But I was the brightest one at CVS. And anyone who knows where CVS is at, you know, a lot of things happened in CVS. So I'm all the way on 87. Didn't Kanye go to CVS? Kanye went to CVS. Common. Um, What is CVS? It's Chicago. It's a high Chicago vocationals um, high school. So it was a vocational high school. So we had um, we had tailoring, we had um, beauty, we had um, um, pl- aviation, we had mechanics. Like yes, yeah, so, so vocational schools basically put you on track to go right to your career path instead mm-hmm. of. Uh, I mean, you you still have your other classes, your math, English, mm-hmm. you know, history, but then there are specific, like she said, they had a cosmetology pathway for her to take. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah. Why Why did Kanye go to that school? Is it is it like a magnet school, or is it something where like they bring in the people who they see have promise, or what do you? So when I first started, um, when when I was going into CVS, you had to be, um, you had to test in. And I actually lived outside of the district, so I really had no business in that school. Um, but that school was geared towards, like what Rashana said, it was a, um, they had like different, like they had music programs and everything. So if you knew that you wanted to be in the music world, then you would go to that school. Hmm. So that way you could take those classes, which leads you up to being, you know, what it is that you really want to do in life but it was also like a really really good school that you had to test in that's that's cool Mm -hmm. so that's um, i'm guessing that's why comet went there too for the music Mm. program right right Mm -hmm. yeah gotcha so so during um during high school i did not want to get into the um the beauty um course um because the girls were just not fans of me um so back then that whole um light skin brown skin thing was like huge so I just really wasn't, I didn't feel safe in there with them. So I took up tailoring. But even with tailoring, it still helped me with doing hair because that's why I love doing sew-ins. So um, it still, I still needed to sew in order to do that. So yes, I still did hair in school, in high school. Um, I was in a salon by my sophomore year and I was driving by my sophomore year. Clearly I had no business driving, but I was still driving. You know, most entrepreneurs, they, um, they learn the rules so that they can break them. So I've been breaking rules. <laughs> I've been breaking rules for years now. So, um, so yeah, to answer your question, yes, I was um, doing hair in high school and I was in a salon by my sophomore year. And I did, um, I did work um, after that too. I worked at Blue Cross Blue Shield. I did go to school a couple of years. I wanted to be a defense attorney. So I worked at a law firm, but um, I don't know. I just still didn't feel, I didn't feel full. So it, 
Blue Cross Blue Shield paid very well, but I found myself getting up in the morning doing hair, going to Blue Cross Blue Shield, getting off doing hair. And then I realized one day, wait, I make more money being a hairstylist and working at Blue Cross Blue Shield. But then I was still trying to follow my dream of wanting to be a lawyer. So I went to school a couple of times and I dropped out a couple of times because I still wanted to be in the hair industry. And so I just finally, I was just like, forget it. I'm just going to learn how to dominate the hair industry. So one thing that I, I guess I tell people is when you, no matter how much money you make doing something, you tend to kind of run into a ceiling unless you start doing what you did, which is how you have how you have your own salon. So I guess my question would be like, are you seeing more success now as a salon owner and bringing in people who are going to be, I guess, renting chairs from you or something like that and also running your own business simultaneously? So my salon is set up pretty different. Um, I do see more business the way that my salon is currently set up. So in the beauty industry, you have two different ways of running a salon, and it's actually three different ways. You can run a booth rental salon where someone comes in and they rent a chair from you and they pay you booth rent weekly. Most booth rental salons are not set up properly because you're supposed to take, um, you're supposed to add up your whole overhead and divide it by how many chairs is in a salon. Most people don't do that. They just go off of whatever the booth rent is in that area. So then they also, there's another model called the commission-based um, um, salon, and that's usually other um, other cultures do that. Um, black um, people don't really do that as often because it takes a lot of work. And with that um, setup, the client, you get a percentage of every single client that walks through that door. But it's a lot of work, though. Um, whereas with a booth rental situation, you just make sure to keep the bills on, make sure to keep the lights on, make sure the salon is clean, and that's it. Everybody pretty much run their own space. And then there's another um, another way where you can um, team-based. So team-based is clients just come in, everybody work on those clients, and everybody get a certain percentage at the end of the um, week. My salon is commission, so I get a percentage of every single client that walks through that door. So I make way more money now than I did when I was my own hairstylist. Now, when when I was when I was booth renting, um, I made a great amount of money, and it's because I had mastered how to do that. But I figured if I can do it for myself, I can do it for multiple chairs. So that's why my salon is commission. Makes sense. Um, so Charles likes to jump ahead. I want to go back a little bit to even you just starting a salon. You know, like <laughs> what was that like? What was that whole process? Like um, you worked in other salons before then. I'm sure you saw what you liked, what you didn't like. And then you were probably like, you know, forget this. I'm opening my own. So what was that like? So I did work in other salons and I worked in different salons in different areas. So I was I would like to say that I'm pretty well rounded in the beauty industry. Um, I, the only area I did not work in is on the north side. Um, and that's because I don't do round seal um, hair, which is um, white people hair. I don't do brown cell hair. So I only worked on um, black women here. And so I worked in the hood. I worked in the wealthy area out in Naperville. And I worked in Hyde Park in the mixed area. Um, so it was it was challenging, but I learned so much because when you work in the hood, it's a different type of clientele that comes in. So you have to learn how to talk to them. You have to learn how to treat them. You know, you find yourself talking like them. You find yourself operating like them. So like, 
like in the hood, you know, an appointment at 11 o'clock, that means a client not going to walk in until about 1120. Mm -hmm. So I knew um, that I wanted to have a better clientele. So that's when I found myself moving. When I moved out to Naperville, I started doing hair out in Naperville. Well, when you tell somebody in Naperville that their appointment is at 11 o'clock, they're there at 1050. So now I had to retrain myself all over again and become more smart and more business savvy because I was working with uh, women that were that were business women, you know, that that had some business who had that had somewhere to go. So that really helped me and it helped me take me to a whole nother level. Um, then I found myself moving back to Chicago and that's where I opened up my own salon and I had to teach them and retrain their brain because they were coming in from booth rental. So they will book an appointment. They will have a client at 11 and not walk in the door until 1115. But that wasn't my model. So I had to retrain them too. So going from one area to another area to another area, it was a lot. It was, it was, it was a lot, but it was, um, I, I loved every second of it. Cause I'm with me, I'm always looking to go from one level to another level, to another level, to another level. So this me having a commission salon is the highest level for me right now, but I am ready. I have another level in mind that I'm about to go to. Um, how were you able to fund the startup of your business? And did you just like go rent the space or did you start like a smaller space and grow? What did that look like? So when I um, went to open my business, I had a lot of the money saved uh, myself. And, and I'm going to tell you the story behind this, um, this space that I'm in. Um, probably like about six or seven years ago, I was looking for a space to open a salon. And I looked at this space. Um, the lady, she was still alive and she wasn't, she didn't want to give this space up so then a couple of years later i seen that the lady passed so i went to the son and i was trying to get this space he would not give me the space so he ended up selling the um he ended up being tired of running the space and he gave it to the manager in the building and she's moroccan so she didn't know nothing about running a black salon so she ended up selling this space to my best friend who is a barber he has a barber shop on the third floor so then and he brought me in as a manager and the women were like, no, I am not. You young people are not going to come in here telling us what to do. I've been doing hair longer than you were way before you were born. And she just didn't know that I was 41. So I told him like, look, you need to, I think I was like 39 at the time. I told him you need to clear, you need to get rid of all of these people. And wow. he was just like, he was just like, forget it. I, I don't even want the, you know, I don't even want the space. You can have it. And I was like, great. I gave them a week notice. I gave them a week notice and I um, I had majority of the money, but I did go out and get a loan for the rest of the um, the funds. And I actually decorated the place three times um, because I knew the, the feel that I wanted, but I just wasn't getting it the third time I got it. So... Yeah, so I, I had majority of my own funds saved, but I did go out and get a line of credit. And was so, that a business line of credit? Yeah, it was a business line of credit. Yep. So I had to go in. Um, my business had already been incorporated since 2014. So I went out and I got a business line of credit from a certain um, bank and I used that line of credit and I was able to pay it back in the business within like seven or eight months. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, so I don't want to jump over the fact that um, it's so important that, like you said, you, when, when you were in a position to take advantage of the opportunity, when opportunity came, 
but being in that position, right? Like it is so important for you to get your affairs in order as a business owner. And that's yeah. one of the things that I really admire about you because like you said, especially within our community, we'll be doing hair out of the basement for years, you know, mm-hmm. and not, not filing taxes or not doing this or not doing that, and, but, but not leveling up, you know, to be able to, um, you know, buy investment properties or invest or do this or do that. Or like you said, or get a loan or be in a position. So that is so key. Hey ladies, this is your co-host, Rashana Scott. And are you looking for a community of women real estate investors? If so, I want to take a quick second to share with you Infinity Membership. Sorry, fellas, but Infinity Membership is a women's only online community for newbie and experienced investors. Come let your hair down and join a non-judgment zone sisterhood where all of your questions about investing in real estate get answered. This is also an opportunity to learn from the best of the best. Other seasoned and successful women in the industry share their success tips often. Our live group sessions are twice a month and we support each other daily within our private Facebook group. Our sessions range from driving for dollars to working with contractors to out-of-state investing, raising private capital, marketing your deals, and so much more. Does this sound like something that you've been looking for? Well, we would love to have you. For more information, visit us at bit.ly forward slash infinity membership. Again, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash infinity membership. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Yeah, that is, that's, um, while I was doing hair before I got into this business mind, I live day to day. I will make $700 a day. I will spend $600 in a day. I would make $1,000 in a day. I will spend 900 of that or probably like the whole thousand. I was spending the money as I was making it because I had that hustle mentality. And that's, and I'm that's sure why it was a lot of cash too. Yeah. And that's why I don't, that's why I, I really, it really bothers me when entrepreneurs call themselves hustlers, because when you get into that business mindset, you are no longer hustling because you know, you, 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 you know where the next dollar is coming from, but you also know that there's a chance you may not make that next dollar. So you start living in a way to prepare yourself to be able to take care of yourself just in case something happens. So you're no longer hustling. So, um, yeah, so I, I would, I would take my money and I would spend it as fast as I would make it. And now I just, I'm at a place to where I don't spend like that. Um, I, I make sure that my taxes are taken care of. Um, I have no problem paying the IRS. One thing that I told you and that I practice every single day, I put myself in a position to where I never have to hear no. Like no is just not an option for me. I make sure of that. So I make sure that I pay my taxes. I make sure that I pay myself 
filed every single week. Why people are trying to hustle and find a way not to pay the IRS or always trying to find their way around something. It's no way of getting around taking care of things properly because what happens is, yeah, you might be on the high for a minute, but you better believe it's all going to come back to you. Like the the, the, the rules don't, don't change for money. It's the same thing in life. If you, if you keep messing somebody over, messing somebody over, eventually you're going to get messed over. It's the same thing with money. So I try my best to stay on top of that. I make sure that I pay myself. I make sure that I pay my savings. I make sure that I do right by my employees too, because if you, if I do wrong by them, then it's going to come back on me and it's going to mess with my money. So... Yeah. I think what's cool about that is the opposite is also true. So it's like the more good you put out there and the more, the more, the better that you treat your employees, the better they're going to treat you. And so I feel like people should look at it that it's like not so much trying to avoid the, the bad, but also just trying to put yourself in the right position to get the good out of life. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned uh, by being a salon owner? Some of the biggest lessons I've learned is that you cannot change people. You know, people have to want better for themselves. You can have this vision and dream for them all you want to, but if they don't see it for themselves and if they don't want it for themselves, you cannot change them. And those people you have to remove from your space immediately because the more you try to do better, they're going to figure out a way to try to bring you down with them. You know, misery loves company. So if they're not in a good space and they don't see themselves getting into a better space and they don't want to be in a better space, they're going to do everything possible to bring you down in your face or behind your back and that's no that's a known fact in the beauty industry so that's one of my biggest challenges that i've had um i have to say um, financial go ahead why you're why you're there is that why when you came into that salon you just got rid of them all as opposed to trying to kind of win them over because that was yeah. that was interesting to me yeah i don't um i don't spend too much time on trying to convince people to see things my way i'm the boss i'm, I'm i am a boss i have a vision I know where I'm going with my business. I know what I want and I know what I don't want. Those people that are not aligned with that, they have to go because unfortunately I had to experience that the the hard way. I I had a whole team and it was a rotten apple in the group. And I just thought for some reason that this rotten apple will just somehow get better. And, And instead she just spread. She just, she made all the other apples rotten. So I end up having to get rid of that whole bag of fruit and start all over so I kind of like went against what it was that I've always taught myself thinking that okay this situation might be different and it wasn't so that was a lesson learned I just I was like oh let me just try it one more time and it was it was it was terrible it was a terrible decision a terrible decision yeah, yeah. Yeah, team building is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, like you said, just in the industry because when you even think about it, right? Like as a woman walking into the salon, like that is your time for you. That's your yeah. time to relax. That's your time, you know. And energy is huge. Energy is everything. So if something is off, or people are walking around with attitudes, or you know, tensed up with one another and not speaking, like the clients can feel that, and that can have a negative impact. Impact on your business. It can have a negative impact on your business and it keeps me in the same pool as the rest of the salon. So now the word gets out, those girls down there envy me, they're nasty, even though it may only be one person. Yeah. You know, in the beauty industry, people don't say that one stylist, they go with the whole salon. So I just, I, I, was, I found myself just right back in that same space that I just did not want to be in. So 
that it was yeah. it was a hard decision, but I, I did it. Yeah, and I used to hate going to um, the salon because I felt like I would be in there four hours for a wash mm-hmm. and glow, and it would be so much gossip going on. It would be, yeah. you know, like like and and for me not realizing that it was the experience that I was looking for, but just being like, uh, I just hate going to the shop because even to get a simple style, you know, you if you go in the morning, you're not getting out of there till maybe one or two o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, the way you run it and you set it up, like you are uh, more focused on providing your clients with an experience versus, mm-hmm. you know, you just coming to get your hair done. But then also the the way that you have it set up, like your system, right? Like it seems like you've been able to implement systems to get mm-hmm. people in and out to, you, you know, all of that. Yeah. yeah. So I do, I, I do have, a, um, I, I would like to think it's an amazing system. Um, I'm thinking it got to be an amazing system or you wouldn't have me on here speaking because I would be, it would be the same system that you've been, you know, dealing with for years. But um, yeah, I've, I've taken a long time to think and to try to figure out how to make it to where we are servicing the everyday woman inside out from the moment they walk in the door to the moment that they leave out in less than two, two and a half hours. And I would like to think that we've mastered, um, we've mastered that. Um, we don't overbook and it's, we, we respect the woman time. Like we give women their time back. Like if you book an appointment to go to the dentist at one, you already know you're going to be out there at least by three, no later than three thirty. And it should be the same way in the beauty industry. Majority mm-hmm. of the time it's not, but that's, um, that's something that I focus on within my business and any stylist that cannot, um, get with that program, they go like, I am not afraid to put someone out of my business or, try to teach them to where they fall off themselves yeah um yeah is do you do that because of the clientele that you cater to now because i feel like like rashana or like myself like if you're a professional and you have things on your agenda you don't have time to sit and like wait for the barber to get to you like i'll never just go to one of those walk-in shops where you walk in he's like oh no this person's in front of you this person's in front of you so it's like how have i guess what other ways have you catered your business around your clientele um, aside from just the timeliness. Um, the other way I cater my business around my clientele um, is that I, like I said, I, I just really focus on the experience. Like when women come into a salon, they shouldn't, like Roshana said, they shouldn't have to hear gossip. They shouldn't. We should be able to have civilized conversations. And that's what we have. We don't, we don't gossip. Um, in my salon at all. So I make sure that I make sure that they, you know, that the clients have snacks and water and that the environment is, is nice. Majority of the time my salon is quiet and sometimes it's a little too quiet for me, but it's so not about me. That's another way that I cater to the clients. That salon is not about me. The salon is about women like Roshana, you know, like business women and what it is that they want and what it is that they need. Sometimes women like her, they just need to, they need peace. They need, I just need, you to do my hair and be quiet and it's okay it's no disrespect or nothing but i got business i need to take care of you know i'm on my laptop i'm on my phone i really don't want to talk but we do still talk to them just to make sure that they okay we ask them if they're okay we have someone going around asking them if they want any drinks if they want any coffee or anything we just make it about them like we as women and men we're going through so much out here in the world to where when people come into my salon they already know it's no drama so they can just walk 
through the door. And even over my door, when you walk in the salon, it says, let that shit go. Because whatever you got going on, you can let that shit go at the door. Because in here, we got you. We're going to take really good care of you. That's good. That's good. Um, So I wanted to add, so I guess in the industry, there's um, a significant difference between um, a shop and a salon. What is, what's that all about? So in a shop, when you go into a shop, they selling loose squares and um, (laughs) they selling loose squares. They selling cupcakes, pies, and pies and and everything. In a salon, nothing that goes on. Like, you know, we don't, in a salon, it's it's, it's serene. Like, you don't have to worry about nobody running up to you. You want to buy this for $5? Like, dude, I'm about to spend over $100 on my hair. If I want some socks, I'm going to go to Walmart and get some socks. So that's the difference. A shop is loud music playing, nothing against my shop owners to each its own. That just doesn't work for me. Um, in shops, the music is loud. They probably got some food in there, like some fish, some fried chicken. Um, <laughs> the clients coming in with, you know, food that has smells in it. So now you just spent, you know, over $100 to get your hair done and your hell you leaving now. You're smelling like heroes and stuff. Um, um, it's, it's no um, it's no coordination. Like everybody just on their own thing. Like you might see one thing in one chair, another thing in another chair. One person dressed this way, another person dressed this way. Whereas in the salon, it's just like, it's a team. Like everybody is together. It's, it's one band, one sound. Not, like I said, nothing against the shop owners. I've just worked in enough of them to where I know that that's not the, that's not what I want. Like for example, I work at this one shop on 75th somewhere and um the lady she put she had some grease in the kitchen because the salon was big i guess they took like an apartment and turned it into a, a salon so it still had his kitchen in the back and i seen her bring in some grease and i was like what are you about to do with this grease she said i'm about to fry some fish i said wait a minute you about to do what she said i'm about to fry some fish you got a problem with it? i said i got like the biggest problem ever with that like i'm about to shampoo these clients like we cannot fry fish she said i'm gonna do what i want to do this is my shop i want to fried chicken if you don't like it you don't have to deal with it not I, I was like that's that's boss like that's boss like i couldn't even get mad at her because i was in her shop i was in her shop so even she don't even know to this day that she actually helped me <laughs> and motivated me into getting my own space so yeah the a shop is uh i don't even allow people to even and that's Rashad, I think you probably called it a shop one time or you probably heard me correct someone. They'd be like, oh, I'm at the shop. You are not at no shop. No, this is a salon. <laughs> and I always clutch my You car. corrected me. That's why. <laughs> I, got, I got you before. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I definitely run a salon. It's, it's more professional. It's more upscale. It's more structure. A shop is just, um, you got you got too many, um, too many chiefs and not enough um, Indians. Yeah. Yeah. Are your prices reflective of the experience that you're offering or are you still kind of in line with the industry norm? Um, I don't see competition. And to be honest with you, I don't have the slightest idea what anyone is charging in Hyde Park. All I know is that I am the highest in Hyde Park. Um, and that's because I do something that most salons in Hyde Park don't offer. And that is just water. <laughs> 
like a lot of the salons don't even offer their clients bottle water or a cup of water. Um, so yeah, my prices are extremely, um, they, they, they weigh higher um, than everyone else in Hyde Park. But that's also because I, I, I offered an experience and the, the salon is not about me. Most shopping salon owners, they open up a, a space for them. It's decorated the way that they like it. You know, they use the products that they like and it's not about them. Like my salon is a boutique salon. So when you walk in, it's like you at home. You at home getting your hair done by your girlfriend and y'all just sitting there and you just and, and you and you feel safe. So my prices are pretty steep. Um, we do have some clients who can barely afford our prices, but they like the experience and they like that we respect their time and they're going to get in and out. So like once, so like some of our clients, if they can't afford it, they'll come once a month. They'll come once a month just because, like I said, they, they know that we're going to respect them and their time. And we also educate our clients on how to take care of their hair, which is unknown in the industry. A lot of stylists do not want to educate their clients on how to take care of their hair because they're afraid that the client isn't going to come back. We don't fear that, you know, the clients still come back. We just need to teach them how to take care of their hair at home. So when they come into the salon, it just makes it easier on the both of us and it makes it to where they can get in and out faster. Which makes sense. Yeah, we talk about this. Uh, we talked about this over the past couple of episodes. We talked about how educating is selling, right? Mm -hmm. And the more you educate your clients, like you say, you aren't operating from um, a... Um, What's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, the opposite of abundance. You aren't operating from that mindset. Scarcity. Mm -hmm. Scarcity yes. mindset. Yeah, yes, yes. You aren't operating from a scarcity mindset. You know, like you say, you are like, hey, I'm going to give you what I have because this not only helps you, but it also helps me for when mm -hmm. and if you come back. And if you don't, that's mm -hmm. cool. But, you know, at least mm -hmm. take these tips and work on yourself. And I think yeah. you, you, everybody wins, right? You mm -hmm. win. The client wins. Like it is it, it's, it's another one of those things um, about just being an entrepreneur, being a business owner. You realize that the more you give, the more it comes back. Um, I actually um, have noticed lately that I've been running into a lot of what I call them OGs in real estate. People who've been in real estate for 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Um, real estate agents and other loan officers and um, I'm doing deals with them and a lot of them are like I really like the way you do business and but but they're also you know noticing different things um, about the way I do business and I see the way they do business and I and like like a loan officer he was like you know what your clients that come to me he was like they got money in the bank. They got 700 scores. They they ready to go. And I'm like, that's because I take the time to educate my clients, right? And you turn in turn, you get a better quality and result. Um, and I didn't realize it until other professionals in the industry was pointing it out. Like when your people like there, I'm so sick of these messages. I've been getting them forever, but it's like a spam copy and paste. Hey, I'm such and such. And I work in the credit repair industry and I want to know what do you do with people who don't qualify to get, you know, home. And I'm like, really? All my people qualify. Yeah. Because if you go down my timeline, I have enough content. They're educating you on how to get qualified, what you need to do in order to be in position. So when people come, they're not coming saying, what credit score do I need? It's already there. 
They're mm-hmm. not coming in and saying, you know, what's debt to income? It's already there. I've already educated. You know, I've already put that out there. And so I'm realizing that that the, the more you keep educating, the, the better quality of the clientele that you're going to get and the more success you're going to have. Yeah. And you, you are what you attract too, right? So you take care of your business. You're on your business. And, you know, I have to do a shameless plug for you. You you the bomb. You are the bomb. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I've learned so much. I, I, I didn't even... I knew that I wanted to purchase um, property because I just wanted to you know have that on my portfolio and definitely to help with the tax break but about time I get done working with you shoot I might I might need to fill out an application and work for you like <laughs> you, the, you the bomb you you got me thinking about becoming a realtor and here it is I own my own whole business but you make it so easy you you t- you take the time with us to educate us you answer our calls you you answer our emails you're never too busy to not answer your clients and oh your yeah your clients i've worked with other um realtors in the past i've been wanting to get in real estate probably for about probably for about four years and i worked with other realtors that wasn't like you and it just made me not want to you know want to get into it because i'm such a business woman to where if you text me and you asking me about a service i'm going to stop and respond right back because it's business and i will work with other realtors and I would ask them questions and they wouldn't respond back for days at a time. By then, I'm on something else or they will show me a property that I'm not interested in. I never told you that I wanted to get this type of property. I never told you I wanted to spend, you know, 300000 to build out a building. Like, why are we here? Why are you wasting my time? And with you, you did not do that. Even, even when I told you what type of property I was looking for, you and I was to be like, hey, I want to go look at this one. You'd be like, no, that's not the one you, no, that's not. No, that's not what we talked about. Like, don't let don't let that grass fool you. That ain't what you're looking for. So I, I appreciate that. And um, anybody who's thinking about uh, working with you, they should definitely follow your page, like you said, because it's more than enough information on there. But they should definitely. I, I can't wait for us to do another one because you know how thirsty I am. You know, I haven't even closed on the first one. And I'll be asking you like, okay, um, okay, so I seen this other one and you like, no, lie, no, no, no. Let's close on this first one. But you make right. it so easy. You make the person want to hurry up and buy another one because you make it easy. We don't have to do as much work. I love it. I love it. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. Charles took a back seat there. Well, we Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. But, um, <laughs> but getting back to uh, back to you, um, thank mm-hmm. you for that, really. But um, So what would you tell um, new aspiring salon over, uh, you know, salon, uh, oh, oh, people who want to open a salon, right? Mm-hmm. I would tell them to not do it. Not, not mm. right now. A lot of people who want to open a salon, they just jump out and they go and open a salon. They don't have a, um, 
they don't have the slightest idea what they're doing. They think it's just really easy. I'm going to go open a salon and I'm going to rent out these roofs and I'm going to charge this amount. And by the end of the month, they didn't even make enough to cover the bills. I think that they should definitely reach out to people like myself. I think that they should definitely take classes and educate themselves. First and foremost, I think they should have an accountant. I don't think no one should open a business without an accountant. Nobody. Those numbers, they come fast, that money comes fast, and it leaves fast. And a lot of salon owners, they they work in their business instead of working on their business. Like there was even a time where I was working six days out of a week. And that's because I did not have control of my numbers. I didn't even know what my numbers were. I didn't even know how much money I needed to make to run my business at one point in time. And this was when I was in my suite when I got my salon. Um, by then, I knew exactly how much money. Um, I definitely would not, for the new salon owners, I would not go into a space that I cannot afford myself. Um, I had my very first team. I had to let go of my very first team because I brought a team of commission style and I realized I didn't realize that I had over 100 clients myself so how was I going to train these five women when was I going to find the time to train them to do hair and tend to my my children tend to myself tend to my relationship and my hundred plus clients so I had to let them go and at the end of the day I was still able to afford that space until I was able to figure it out if I can do it all over again I would have had my my business structured way before I opened up the door way before I would I would have had an account and I would have had a salon manager that would have been the first two things I would have done before I opened up a salon. Most people, they think, okay, I have all these clients. Let me run and go open up a salon. But they forget about the business side of it. And they definitely need help. Because what you do is you find yourself being a, you find yourself styling the hair. You find yourself being a janitor. You find yourself being the manager. You find yourself being the account. And clients don't want to be bothered with all of that. So now you're frustrated. And what you do is you take it out on the client. I thought you wanted a silk press. Now you want curls? And the client can change her mind if she wants to. It's just that you're so stressed out, you know, trying to run this whole business by yourself. Another thing that I would do too, um, before I open up a salon, I would read the e-myth. I would read that book. I would read it from front to cover at least three good times. And if you're going to listen to it on Audible, I would listen to it five, six, seven, eight times because it just teaches you how to be the boss in your business. And most people, when they open up a salon, they are the technical person. They the janitor. They the manager. They're not the owner at all. So that's what I would do first um, before I opened up a salon, If you know, if I was the people. Man, that was good. That yeah. was good. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you want to do. Where you want to go, Shana? What you got, Charles? This will be edited I out. Think, I think I think right. we blew Charles. Like, Charles was just like, what? what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Black girl magic. It's too much for him. You don't have anything, Charles? Um, I think one thing that I was, I guess, I kind of wanted some more information on is when you have this accountant, are they doing bookkeeping? Are they providing with financial statements? Um, what does that relationship look like? So my accountant, um, when when I first started working with my accountant, he was doing bookkeeping. And um, we have this um, QuickBooks. Um, anybody who owns a business should definitely have QuickBooks. Um, I don't have time to manage. Um, I didn't have time to manage the QuickBooks. So he manages my QuickBooks. And then um, I do get P&L statements. 
Um, so I know exactly for those who don't know PL statement, profit and loss statement. So I do get a statement every month knowing how much I made, how much I lost so that I can do better the next month. Um, he helps me um, when I'm about to hire someone else. Um, he lets me know if it's in the budget or if it isn't in the budget. Um, with me having a commission salon and me paying out, I have to also make sure that I'm bringing enough money in. Um, and he also sets up my payroll. So I do pay myself. I do take um, the taxes do come out of my um, out of my um, payroll before it hits my account. Um, a couple of my clients, a couple of my stylists are W-2 employees and a couple of them are contractors. So he makes sure that that paperwork is together. So if a contractor need like a 1099 form when they go to file taxes, he's the one who prepares that stuff for them. Um, how many hours, I guess, per month are you, are you, do you have him? Oh, I have him when I want him. So I, anybody that I work with, I build a relationship with them and I, I make sure that they believe in my vision and I believe in their business too. And I support them just as much as they support me, which makes it to where if I need them, they're okay with being there um, for me when I need them. So I don't do hours. It's just like with Roshana. Um, she, she's, she's there because I'm there for her. Like I respect her. I respect her time. She respects my time. So if and when I do need her, it's not like on a, um, um, a hourly thing or even like with my account, it's not like on an hourly thing because they, because I support them. I push them. I tell people about them too. So it's like a two-way relationship. So my account, I don't do like the whole hourly um, thing with him because I bring clients to him and, and, and I respect him and I respect what he does. So if I do reach out to him or if I do reach out to Rashana, they know that I'm not reaching out to them just to waste their time. It, it got to be about business. If law is calling your, your phone, it's, it's something that's going to benefit the both of us. So my account, um, I, I don't do an hourly thing with him. We I pay him monthly um, and, and that's okay. it. But I, I, I do take up a lot of his time, but it's because I need to know if these moves that I'm about to make is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure if I, if I didn't, if I didn't operate that way, I probably would only have access to him once a week. <laughs> I don't think that he's available like that for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's and just, that that's how it be through the roof. Huh? <laughs> I said that bill will probably be through the roof. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that bill will probably be through the roof. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. And he, and he reminds me of it too, all the time. But yeah. day, like today, I sent him a couple of quick emails and he was like, seriously, Law, this is my day off. I said, great. So that means you got 12 hours to answer this email. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I mean, and one thing that you spoke to also, right, because we have a lot of folks on here who are in real estate or who are investing, and it's the same thing that's universal across the board. Like in business, you have to build relationships. You mm-hmm. you want to um, build relationships. So you can get your question answered. Like, you know, yesterday I had to call three lenders. And, you know, no shade to the other ones, but they weren't giving me what I needed in that moment. I took a client out and we needed to move on a property right away. The first lender couldn't do it. The second lender couldn't do it. The third lender kind of could do it, but it was another department. And I was like, look, the last lender called, picked up what you need. Okay, you have it in an hour, period. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that, right, but that's a, a test to those relationships. But also, mm-hmm. and then you as a business owner, like you said, knowing what you need, 
when you need, right? Because yeah. I'm calling you because I'm going to send you business, right? I'm calling yeah. you to, to work. And so, you know, you need to work with people who have the same drive and the same passion to get to that end result as you do. Yeah. And build the, the relationship piece is huge. I, me personally, I don't want three or four different accountants. I don't need three or four different realtors. You know, I don't need 10 different people bringing me my products. I want to build relationships with people, like I said. So if I need them, they are there. If I need paperwork done, he gets it done. If I need a profit and loss statement, he prints it out. And most importantly, I still learn from you guys too. I can't do what it is that you do, but say like for my accountant, I still learn from him. So just in case something was to come up, I can still do it myself too. That's a another problem a lot of um, business owners they 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 depend so heavenly on the people that they need and they don't know how to do it themselves I do know how to do it myself but I don't have the time for it and I don't want to make the time for it either I want to pay him to do what it is that he does but at the same time if something was to come up know that I can get it done myself too absolutely absolutely um, and before we wrap, actually, I have one more question. Um, so do you sell, like, I, I, I used to go to salons that, you know, they sold hair, they did this, they did that. Do you do you choose to sell, like, extra additional products in your salon and, and what, or why or why not? Yeah, so I do, um, I do do retail in my salon. I'm actually in the process of um, starting my own product line. So I do sell products in my salon and I do and I do think and I do sell um, extensions in my salon I don't sell anything online yet because it's just not about online yet like online is a whole nother beast and I still want to focus on the people who actually walk into my salon and making sure that I have what they need and what they want um, a lot of people are so focused on selling to the masses and I need to take care of the people on the inside that's taking care of us so I do sell I sell every single thing that is needed uh, for that client if um, just like you you come in and you get braised yes we have stuff for your scalp we got scarf we got edge control oh, okay you getting a silk press okay we got wraps we got brushes we got the products that's needed oh you getting a weave okay we got the shampoo we got the conditioner we got the weave we got the brush we got the edge control so yes I try my best to have every single thing within my business um, that the clients need when they leave the salon once I've mastered that then I will start working on um, things on online but right now it's just really about training my team to um, um, to where I can expand, which is my next move anyway. Yeah. You can't tell Charles that online ain't the way to go. Online sales. I, you know, you know what's interesting is I don't really try to push my agenda on people in person. I'll push my agenda on Twitter. But when people tell me what they want to do, I'm just like, cool, I support that. That's what you want to do. That's I feel like she knows her business best, but there is a lot of opportunity on the World Wide Web. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I agree with Whoa. you, Charles. Um, it's definitely a lot of um, business on the web. But I also think that a lot of entrepreneurs tend to do things that they're not educated on. I'm not educated on online sales yet for me to do online sales. So if I have this brick and mortar, um, I, I prefer to master that first and then mm -hmm. find people like yourself to educate me on online sales and then do online sales. A lot of people do online sales and then they run out. Like I will 
order <laughs> things online, they run out and then I don't get it for three, four weeks later. Guess who's not ordering from them anymore? I'm not. Because if I pay some money for something and I ordered a shirt and it says on your site, I will have it in three to four days, I'm waiting. But if I don't get it for another you know, few weeks, then I'm not going to order um, from you anymore. So that's why I'm not into the online space. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of people shouldn't get into the online space if they don't, if they don't educate themselves or if they don't learn from people like yourself or if they don't have enough inventory or if they don't have the support, if they don't have the um, the people in place to help them. So many people be trying to do so many things by themselves and that business fall by the wayside and that's where the bad reviews come in at. Mm-hmm. It's just my yep. opinion. Yeah, that's just my. But I will reach out to you, Charles, when I am <laughs> online. Yeah, so let's you do can it. Teach me, because I need to be a beast at it. I can't like half do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the last questions that we ask is, who is somebody that you look up to and why? I look up to myself. I'm gonna be honest that's- with you. Can you give us a why on that? Um, I'm always trying to outdo myself. Um, you are definitely on my list now because I am um, going to start the whole online sales soon. Um, but I'm always trying to figure out a way to get better and better and better to go from one level to another level to another level. I am about as resilient as a woman can be. Like um, I, I've, I've been through more than enough, just like I'm sure everyone else has been through more than enough. But what happened was I took that pain and I turned it into a business. And mm. even even today if i was mm. to if i was to hit my toe on the on the edge of the bed i would be so irritated i'll start cleaning guess what i'm still getting better like i didn't let yeah. that stop me i didn't stop and sit there and nurse my 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 you know my toe that's hurting i'm like i'm gonna walk this off and clean up real quick so that way i could be getting something done so i you know i just look up to myself like i've learned so much um I, i've learned more from myself than I think anybody was able to teach me. Um, and I, now I'm in a space where like, yeah, I'm ready to learn from people like yourself and other people. But th- these past, um, I'm 41, but the past 40 years, um, I, I have to say, I look up to myself. Like no one was able to teach me the things that I taught um, myself those past few years. They can tell me about their experiences. I'm sure people went through the same exact things that I went through, but what I learned from it, no one could have taught me those things. So I look up to myself. Nice. What is your favorite business book? We say business or real estate or personal development book. I know you already mentioned um, the email, so we can Mm -hmm. stick with that. Or I don't know if you have another one. I I love reading. I read like crazy. I love reading and I love um, um, audio books. I I have so many audio books. I would have to say my favorite business book is definitely the E-Myth. I listen to that all the time to make sure that I'm staying on track um, because when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes it is easy for you to fall back into the technical person. And in order for me to get on the, to get to the next level, I need to remember that I'm the boss. Um, so I still listen to the E-Myth a whole lot. I listen to, um, I read um, How Full Is Your Bucket? And it's just about making sure that you give, um, that people giving back to you, that they pouring into you as much as you pour out to them and I really have to pay attention to that and make sure that I'm surrounded by people that pour into me because all day long I'm pouring into other people I'm pouring into the 
clients. I'm pouring into my team. My team come in with issues sometimes and I have to hug them and smile them and remind them, let that shit go at the door because that's what it says over the door. But even then, when I go to hug them, I'm taking all of that bad energy from them so that they can service our clients. And then I personally have to figure out what to do with that bad energy that I just sucked up out of them. So I have to make sure that I keep people surrounded by me that can fill me back up. Um, even like with the clients, um, when, when, when the clients sit in the chair, you know, some clients, they want to talk, they got problems, they come in, they, they want to talk and talk and talk about their problems. And I end up taking all of that in and then I have to reset myself and go back um, and get ready for the next client. Um, so I, um, that's, that's one of my favorite books is How Full Is Your Bucket? And like I said, I try to keep people around me that can fill me up because I'm so busy filling my clients and filling my team up. One more book that I really, really, really like and I listen to a whole lot is um, The One Thing. And The One Thing is a, um, it's just about um, making sure that you're doing that one thing that has a domino effect. Um, so many entrepreneurs and a lot of people like myself that's visionaries, uh, we, we, you know, we, we tend to like move too fast. We tend to like jump ahead too fast and we forget to do the A through Z part. And mm -hmm. um, the, the one thing, the book, one thing, it teaches you how to do that one thing that's going to have a domino effect to where you can do everything. So I find myself having to listen to that book a whole lot because I'll be trying to do five things <laughs> at one time. At one time. Um, what sets apart successful business owners from those who give up, fail, or never get started? That's what sets us apart, um, actually getting up and doing it. Some days I don't want to do it. Some days I don't. Some days I let depression take over. Uh, some days I let boredom take over. Some days I, um, I, I lose track. Some days I tend to allow other people to control my mood. And I have to remember that I'm a boss and that I have to put that stuff to the side. Whereas other people who don't get it done they just lay there they just let they just let the depression kick in they let the depression tell them what to do they let the laziness tell them what to do they sit back and they wait on other people to do things for them and that's their excuse for not getting things done that's why I said with my accountant regardless if he's around if he can do it if he can't do it I know how to do every single thing that he knows how to do I can damn near start my own accounting business if I wanted to <laughs> and you better believe it's on my vision board um, but um, I think I think that that's the difference. Just just actually doing it, just actually believing in yourself and, and having the drive to get up and do it. Just no excuses. I think I think that that's um, the difference. You've used the term boss a few times. What does being a boss mean to you, and why is it important? Uh, being a boss to me means that um, it's my responsibility to get um, things done. It's my responsibility to carry out my vision. It's my responsibility to 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 get up and, and make it happen. That's what being a boss to me means. It means that, that I can do it. Of course, we have our team. We have our people around us. But like I said, at the end of the day, I can do it, which makes me a boss. I know how to teach other people how to do it. Um, within 
in my salon, um, not only do I have a, a commission-based salon, but I'm also doing something that's unheard of. I'm teaching my team how to actually run the salon. I'm teaching them one step at a time. Whoever's ready for this, I teach them this. Whoever's ready to run the front desk, I teach them that. Um, do I need them to do all of those jobs? No, I don't. However, I am educating them on how to run the salon just in case I'm not there. They can do it. But most importantly, I'm going to take each one of them, open up a salon and put them in those salons. So that's what a boss is. It's thinking ahead. It's, it's, it's doing it. It's helping other people. It's helping other people grow for the greater good. Of course, I definitely want something out of it. But we are both going to grow. Um, we are both going to grow together. So that's what I'm doing with this group. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm being a boss. And, and you're putting other other people in position right. to also become bosses. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of projections and looking ahead, where do you see yourself and your business in five years? Which business? The beauty industry um, in five That's years? Well, let's just say where do you see yourself in general in the next five years? Like where, next, if you, mm -hmm. yeah, perfect world scenario, you in five years. Me in five years, I would have a much bigger space, maybe four to maybe like 7,000 square feet. Um, I will have a salon, a barbershop, a beauty supply, and a nail shop under the same model as Envy Me is right now, all under one space. Um, I will have property in, in five years. I will have property in three different states that I love whenever the world opens back up, if things get back normal. I will have property here. I will have business here. Then I will want to go to Atlanta. I will purchase property there. I will have a business there. Um, and then I will go to one of the Carolinas. I will have a property there and I will have business there. So yes, I, I love all three of these places, but I also will be making money from all three of these places. I'll be able to visit all place three of these places vacation all three of these places all while making money too at the same time and writing it off LA. and writing it off that's the that's why i'm gonna have the property in each one of those spaces yeah so that's where i see myself in um five years I'm also in the process um, of having a curriculum um, written up right now where I am going to help um, teenagers and single moms. I'm going to teach them how to be assistants. And then I am going to help them work in other salons. It's a whole plan to that, but that's just the, the sum of it. I'm just the gist of it. I'm just going to a lot of the teenagers, a lot of the single moms, it's kind of hard for them to find work or they might love of the beauty industry but they don't have a license and to be an assistant in Illinois you don't have to have your license so I am going to start a training program and I'm actually like I said I'm in the process of having the curriculum written out right now where I'm going to teach them and then I'm going to help place them in salons nice 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 good stuff an interview yeah. full of gems thank you thank you so much for coming on and sharing all the information about tips and tricks in the beauty industry and just being um, a business person and having the responsibility of what all that means overall. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, connect with you, support what you have going on, book an appointment with you? Everybody can find me on all channels under Envy Me Team. That's on Facebook, that's on Twitter, that's on LinkedIn, that's on um, Instagram, Envy Me Team. You can book an appointment on all channels. Um, the link is right there for you to book all of, uh, book an appointment. I have. You can also book a one on one with me. Um, so that yeah, that's where you can um, DM me. I answer all of my DMs. 
Um, I may even slide back in your DM and like, shoot, what you doing over there? Let's talk about what you doing. So um, I do answer all messages. I do answer all DMs. Nice. Thank you for coming on the show. Great show. Um, anybody who's listening to the show, please leave us a rating or a review. You can find all the information for our guests in the show notes. Um, that's pretty much it. Episode 153. Episode. No, I thought it was 155. Are you really? sure? You think it's 155? I thought so. Uh, no, it's 153. Okay. It really is. Well, episode 153, signing off. That is all.